It's the morning after Spurs have gone out in the Europa League and deservedly so, an abject performance that has left me feeling very existential about Spurs and in particular Kane and Son's futures at the club. Um, but there you go, not in a great mood. Um, I have, however, just re-listened to this chat with Jack and it's cheered me up a little bit. Um, Jack's the goalkeeper and club captain for Clapton CFC and he's the goalkeeper coach for the women's team and he's an all-round good egg. Jack, thanks so much for your time. Really, really nice to speak to you. Um, and I'll see you Monday for a session. Uh, he does one-to-ones, so if you want goalkeeper coaching, um, I'll leave his contact details. Uh, maybe not his phone number, maybe his Instagram, and you can send him a DM if you want If you want to get a session in. Um, hope you enjoy. Is that guitar? Bass? Left-handed electric guitar over there. It's broken, so don't ask me to play anything, so it don't work. <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, a few a couple of things wrong with it. So I was going to fix it, but I can't be asked. Man, many talents you see. Yeah, definitely. This is <laughs> like I mean, this is a compliment. This the, your room is set up like a kid's room. This yeah, I know. It's like my, if I had to set it up when I was a fourteen year old, it would literally <laughs> like the fucking even the same board and mitre, fucking ninety multiplex, just chilling there. Then the fucking uh, remember the three on three night tournament that one there. And then a few posters from that era as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so good. Definitely, yeah. Just, yeah, that's it. The rest of the house is not uh, childish. But, um, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's definitely them sort of vibes. No, it's great. I love it. How did you become a Leeds fan? So, half my family are from Leeds anyway. Um, so, there's a lot of that. And my dad, although he was actually quite decent at football and he played a lot, his when when I was sort of younger, he played more rugby than football. So he didn't really like, was interested in um, football teams or anything like that. But Leeds is obviously his team as well because of his family as well. So just through that. And then obviously my aunties and uncles that live up there are sort of, obviously they're more football sort of based. So yeah, just, just Leeds. And uh, obviously um, I went to uni there as well. So got a chance to obviously go to, to more games when I was up there. But uh, yeah, so that that's sort of how... Um, and then now, now everyone supports Leeds. Everyone's <laughs> either second, second team, or you know, a few of them come out the woodwork. You think, oh, I don't remember seeing you like a few years ago yeah. with Leeds, but yeah, yeah, good times at the moment for sure. Better than the last sixteen years. How big a part of your life was football when you played at uni? At uni, it was massive. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was like pretty much you look for an identity at university, don't you? It's a chance. <laughs> bearing in mind, it's a chance to be whoever you want to be, but. Um, uh, in terms of when I actually went now, I was like, the only thing I wanted to do was sort of, because I obviously knew that it was going to be a decent sort of standards. So when I went to try out for the team, actually, I remember my dad, he, <laughs> I was telling him about, it, oh yeah, I've got trials today. And he was on the phone and my dad's never liked this in football at all. But he just, he said to me, he said, well, you know, it's not particularly about how good you are, whatever, it's who you know up there sort of thing. And it, it was it was blatantly telling me like, don't even bother because you're not going to sort of get in or whatever. But um, yeah, just went there for trials and then uh, literally after the first trial, got asked to stay on and then straight into a session and I was straight in the team basically from that. But yeah, it just a hold of the social aspects of, uh, of uni. There's so much that came with like that uni team, like, because there was five or six teams anyway, like it was, I was quite lucky to play for the first team, but there was, there was all sorts going on, like socials just to like, you know, get you around of other people and then training, obviously a little bit of them. Um, and then what we had was obviously the, university games um on the wednesday uh but then we basically our team was 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 very very good i think i was one of the only players that didn't play uh at an academy 
or didn't have like sort of professional sort of background in, in football. And we, um, I think in my first season, we smashed the uh, the Bucks Prem, which is like the highest university league. Um, like teams like Loughborough and all that beat them. And then we won that by like Christmas. So we had that Wednesday league. But then on a Saturday as well, we had like, a, we entered into a local West Yorkshire league as well, like a high standard of that. So it was quite good to actually, the amount, the different types of football that you actually go through. It's like on, obviously on the Wednesday, everyone's quite technical, obviously other universities, everyone's quite young and fit. And then you'd go on a Saturday game and everyone, because obviously we're students and a lot of us were like either Southerners or like, not local. It was like all these sort of local hardmen around West Yorkshire just looking to pick fights on you. And it was just, it was brilliant. But yeah, most of us, you know, a lot of friends I met up there from football, obviously. I lived with a few of them as well um, at uni. And yeah, it's just, it, it was a huge, huge part of my life. And it was sort of like, I was pretty decent when I was at school. But I think university was when I sort of, sort of moved on to another level sort of thing and sort of learned more. And sort of, that's what sort of propelled me into sort of being able to do what I can do now sort of thing yeah it's very some very very good coaches there I got a shout out to um I think Ian Birchner was my coach I think he was at I don't know if it's Michelin he was at or Vike is what basically he went over to um the Norwegian Prem uh, managed uh Sarsborg along with Brian Dean who was our assistant coach at uni as well and then he's doing his badge and all that and he's basically one of the best coaches in in Sweden now I forget I should know what team he's he's, he's managing now but I forget what what team is but I think they're in the Europa League but they were really really good coaches and yeah a lot and some very good players as well up there so it was just yeah great experience and even if you're you know you don't think you're going to get in like I didn't think I was going to get in there's so many you know there's even the training is you're always going to improve as a player and like just the amount of people that you meet through there and the stuff that you learn and just to be able to keep yourself fit and just to keep ticking over because there's a lot of people I know that are very very good at school and then, you know, they've completely changed now and they're not even active at all, like from like, because they didn't do anything at uni or they just weren't involved. Whereas, you know, if you go to uni, obviously you get a chance to do lots of things. But I think sport is very, very important at university level. Yeah, massively. Um, when you, you feel like you said you, well, you said you feel like you took a jump at university. Was that because of the coaching? Because... I think, yeah, I think that was one where you're going from an environment where you're at school and it's, you know, usually a teacher or something. If you're, if you're lucky, the teacher has like maybe an FA badge or something. So they sort of know what they're doing. And then you're going to an environment where, you know, all of a sudden you're no longer, you know, easily the best player there or something. There's like four or five other people that are exactly the same, if not better than you. Um, and so that was the case when I went there. So in terms of me being a goalkeeper, it was the first time I went and sort of had like, you turn up on a Wednesday and there's a dedicated goalkeeper coach and then there's three other goalkeepers. And so you're just continuously working at your craft. And that's, you know, that's, we'll probably touch on something in a, in, a, in a bit about sort of goalkeeper coach and how important it is. Like just that sort of thing, just to be able to practice sort of week in, week out on doing stuff that was, you know, sort of match, match realistic and just being able to test yourself against people around about your level better than you as well to help each other out. That was really, really good rather than just having, you know, it's usually somebody's dad warming you up for a game or something, or like someone that can't really kick the ball off the floor, or just like little small like back pass volleys into you. So just a, we really, really worked hard. And, um, you know, goalkeepers are always, because it's only obviously one position, they're big rivals, but they're the best of friends as well, because you, nobody really understands what it's like other, other than yourself when you, when, you, when you play the position. So that's the sort of the jump, just to be able to sort of have proper training as it were that was the f probably the first sort of few years where I had like proper like dedicated training specifically for 
uh, that position. So that's that's what I mean by that. Mm. The um the the difference between the like Wednesday football and Saturday football at uni, I find like so interesting. So I played in in Swansea, so like similar thing, I think, in terms of like Bucks games. I was only in the first team towards the end, but um like played in a local in the local Saturday league. And some of the games, some of the situations you find yourself in with, against teams who they they do hate you. There's there's no other way of phrasing it. Um, and like the the you might you might be playing with some really really good players, but you're in an environment that where like everything is against you in terms of like people watching wanting to lose. The team you're playing against have like no problems like kicking you or like I imagine as a keeper you're getting smashed into it at corners and that sort of thing. If you had to like find some specific, what were the differences between Wednesdays and Saturdays when you played at, at university? Yeah, well, fortunately for me, like being a goalkeeper, you're always always going to get a team in terms of uh, playing football, and I've got a lot a lot of experience um, from low to high level. I've been playing men's football since I was 14, believe it or not. So like, but the the main sort of differences as as you probably know, like from from Wednesday, as I said before, it would the pace of the game would be a lot quicker. Um, a lot of people play in sort of a, a similar way, and sort of um, you know, sort of it was sort of playing through the midfield and through up front as well. Like balls on the floor a lot of the time, but it it was much quicker. Um, you wouldn't really get that many bad tackles or anything like that, and there would all the pitches were usually quite decent because obviously it's university grounds and they're sort of well taken care of. Um, the referees are obviously um, uh, all, you know, everyone is all qualified, but I think the referees were better as well. And then when you get to to a Saturday, as you say, there's like there's someone that doesn't doesn't care like what club you used to be at or how good you are at football. They just care about they're taking their aggressions out a bunch of young kids who they think you know more privileged than they are. And I know people that have shrunk like massively. People on Wednesday that would be like world class, and people that were like literally knocking on the door of a um, sort of academies and sort of that sort of thing and, and there's a few, few of the players that I knew um, from university level that were playing at like you know they were playing at like Arsenal and that sort of thing and then when they come on a Saturday and it's some you know big six foot plus geezer like you know it's 14 stone they just didn't want it and so that it was just sort of having to adapt and sort of protecting yourself not in terms of just being aggressive with them as well well being aggressive but like not resorting to kicking people ever it's you learn to develop a thick skin and learn to let your football do the talking and it was um but not that every single team out there was like that and that's not what all Saturday football was like but it was a sort of case of you know it was sort of the old school what were you sort of typical British football really whereas on the Wednesday is a little bit more sort of I don't know what we would classify as sort of European style is sort of more more tactic based rather than sort of who wants it more yeah, no question. I think also the other thing is like you mentioned the coaches for university. Like if you're if you're coaching a good standard of university football, you're probably doing your B license, maybe your A license, yeah. and everything you're being taught is like implement your philosophy. What's your philosophy? Everyone who's doing that is watching Premier League football and is thinking, my team is going to press, my team is going to play out the back, we're going to have triangles in midfield, whatever it may be. Whereas if you're coaching a Saturday team, it might just be, look, it's my mates and we want to fucking win and we'll smash anyone who comes to play us. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Like there's different, I've played, like I was played for a young age and I've been in all sorts of teams. I've been in, in teams where we were dominating and possession and we were fantastic I've been in teams where we weren't very good and we had to rely on being physical or whatever I mean there's no that's the beauty of it there's no one way of uh 
playing football, obviously supporting Leeds and the football snob these days and watching any other team other than Leeds on the TV is excruciating. <laughs> but in, ter- in terms of like, that's, that's why it's, 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 it's good. Like it forces you to adapt your own game sort of thing and sort of find solutions in your play. If somebody is going to be up to you really tight, can you spin them or can you get rid of the ball quicker? And it's just, there's more than one way to play it, but that's just sort of, that's the sort of, sort of differences that you sort of saw from Wednesdays to Saturdays. When you first started playing men's football when you were 14, what, what kind of goalie were you? Uh, it obviously um, hadn't even finished growing then, so I was even shorter than I am now. So it was, it was sort of one where I think because at that that age, you know, at uh, that time, people are desperate for a goalkeeper always in the, in men's football, uh, women's football as well. But like it used to get so day on a Thursday because I was playing at school and then at school games with it'd be like ten in the morning, so you'd finish that by midday. And your phone would be off the, ringing off the hook saying, oh, can you come play for us? You know, just someone's pulled out of this, that and the other. So you'd, you'd go and play. So um, obviously everyone used to just bombard me with like high balls, whatever, be aggressive, that sort of thing. So you just had to learn how to how to be how to be good with it. And um, I'd say, obviously, my main thing um, in terms of my quality is shot stopping and my reactions and my distribution. Um, and basically had that you know, that sort of shone through and that's the only reason I could really sort of get away with playing it at, at that level because if it was all to do with sort of coming out and collecting crosses and dealing the high ball and all that sort of thing, I don't think I'd have been able to play for them. So you have to sort of look at... It, some of the some of the games are horrible, to be honest with you. Sometimes you were just knocked about and, you know, you, you conceded a few goals and, you know, sort of made mistakes. But sometimes you sort of shone through and it's sort of character building as well and it sort of puts you in a situation at a young age where you have to sort of deal with what's in front of you okay, you, you might not be a Tebow Courtois and you're going to come out and try and catch everything. But okay, if you do come out, well, can you punch it to a safe area or can you like affect something which is, you know, not, not don't try and be somebody that you're not basically, but just work and in, in training or whatever, or you can work on what you think is, is a weakness, but try and adapt to, to the game. So there's like, from age of 14 and up to the fact I'm 30 now, like I've played so much football like there's not there's probably not a situation on the pitch that I've not seen if you know what I mean so it's just going back in your mind and trying to think okay what worked well and what doesn't work well um but in terms of who I was at that age it was definitely very much all about sort of parrying and shot stopping and just being quite quick off my line and just you know um maybe sort of um a little bit more of what you sort of see as a mod- with modern goalkeeping rather than uh you know that old school um sort of you know, Peter Schmeichel sort of build, come out and claim everything and that sort of thing. Mm. When you, so if we think about maybe 14 to 18, that time before you go, maybe 19, whatever, when you, when you go to university, how many, how many like games or how many times a week do you think you're playing football? Yeah, this is, I was trying to work this out the other day, actually, about how many games of football I've probably played in total. So what it would be at school, you'd play um, maybe, say, I'll, I'll go through like the busiest week sort of thing. So obviously you do training on, on a Monday and a Wednesday. Uh, sometimes you'd have a game on a Tuesday and then you'd definitely have a game on a Saturday. And then I'd play Saturday morning for school, Saturday afternoon for a men's team, and then Sunday um, morning for a men's team and then Sunday afternoon for a sort of team in sort of my age bracket. So you're talking <laughs> like an insane amount of, of hours that you're putting in. It's like when you start thinking about it and like uh, when people talk about um, in non-league level sort of a, a football career and you sort of you sort of laugh at it but then you, when you think about it you think you probably are doing as many hours uh, working on you know something that obviously you love and you enjoy uh, you're doing as many hours on that 
outside of what you do when you're working or you're at school it's sort of similar so you can sort of say a career and I'm always of that opinion of no matter how serious or uh, you, you take it, like if, if it's for you and you want to be serious about it, even though if it's not a professional level, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I would never sort of like um, look down on anybody, um, you know, just for like either calling it a career or just doing, you know, the best they can or whatever level they are, whether it's non-league, whether it's Sunday, whether it's just kick about five aside of your mates or whether it's sort of towards the sort of semi-pro version of, of what you want to try and do. I agree. I, I, I go even further and say, if you want to be a good grassroots non-league player, there's no way that you can be doing the bare minimum. Yeah. If you want, if you want to play yeah. in a good team, it just it's, everyone, everyone else is going to be doing more, so you have to do more as well. And it's just a simple fact of the more you practice something, the better that you're going to get it. Like, I think I'm very lucky in the fact that I had natural talent and a lot of the people... A lot of the teams I've been quite successful with the teams I've been at and a lot of them would probably have me back if I wanted to, to go there but it's sort of I didn't sort of think okay I've got this natural talent therefore I don't need to train or whatever or, or I'm better than the other goalkeeper therefore I don't need to go to training because I know I'm going to play you just gotta because you never know where it can take you it can take you all sorts of places and you can do all sorts of different things as I've done um sort of my career as it were but um it is the more you put in, like any sort of, as you you know me, Josh, any sort of spare time I've got, if anybody wants to have a kick about or anything, I'm there, do you know what I mean? It's just something, it's always, there's always things to be working on and it's just to keep yourself ticking over and just to be the best that you can possibly be. And that's not just from football, that's from any sort of passion that you have. If you put more dedication and craft to it, you're obviously going to get better at it. When you say you had natural talent, what do you mean? I mean, in terms of like... Um, goalkeeping technique and things like that the way you'd catch the ball the way sort of being able to have them sort of natural reactions to be naturally quick to be naturally agile I've got quite a lot of sports uh, people in my family a lot of my um, aunties and uncles did um, track and field and hurdles and my dad played every sport under the sun um, so that sort of passed down to me sort of thing so I've got a bit of bit of that in, in terms of natural talent but um yeah there's some things that you just can't teach people like it, it's very especially the the techniques and and things like that it's it's you can only teach so much um but it, and it's unless you go out there and you ca can't physically get to that ball to make that sort of save then you know that's, there's only so much you can do so I've sort of had that natural talent but obviously enhanced it by just practicing as much as possible and doing everything I can to to try and get better for goalkeepers to get better, how much of a goalkeeper's improvement is going to come from isolated practice versus doing something in a game and having success at it? I think the majority, it, it depends on what you do in isolation. You can do, you can literally have a ball on a wall and just throw it at the wall and start catching it. But it depends on what sort of intensity you're doing, how long you're doing it for, what angles you're doing it for. I think there's nothing that can replicate um, game situations. So that's obviously the best because at the end of the day, the aim of being a goalkeeper is to keep the ball out of the net. It doesn't really matter if you've got a nice technique or if you, you know, you're, you're, you know, how good you are. If you keep the ball out of the net, you keep the ball out of the net. But in terms of um, uh, the sort of it is more muscle repetition and muscle memory from doing the hours that you do and I would say it's definitely um the intense sessions that I sort of run are sort of better than sort of just doing anything in isolation you can make yourself as fit as possible but it's not going to teach you uh when in your mind to parry when to catch when to go for the high ball you know you just need to 
that's why you, I try and encourage people to play as much as possible just to get your in your mind the sort of situations that you're going to be facing week in, week out. The reason I asked the question about the in isolated practice versus success in a game is because I feel like goalkeeping is different to outfield players um, when we're thinking about how you go about getting someone better at something that is really like unfamiliar for a lot of people in, in so many instances. Yeah, I mean, if you spoke to, speak to anybody that I was at school with, they would have definitely not said that I would have been at the levels that I've played at or as good as I am now. Um, and it is literally just through practice because, you know, um, there's obviously them formative years. When you're getting a little bit older, as you were saying before, the, the, it's just the match practice. As many games as possible, I'll just stress that to everybody, like as many games as possible just to keep you in them situations because, you know, you're going to get used to like, you're going to have to make mistakes in order to become better. So, you know, it's there's no point in you like, playing just once a week and then if you you know if you have a bad game that's it you've got to wait till the next week you've got to work on on it throughout throughout um you know throughout the week and then yeah get better mm. after you left university and you come back to I'm guessing come back to London and you're and you're playing football you're playing football then what like who who were you playing for and what what were the what was the environment oh so this is the thing so I, my course was uh four years because I was doing a, a language so my year abroad, I went over to France um, and very sort of like, not as a joke, but just sort of quite cheekily was messaging the, um, the club that uh, was in my town. It was a small village near Bordeaux and uh, um from Bordeaux. And they had a team that was in Serfadeur, which is basically, I'm going to have to Google it because I'm not sure. It basically is a high level uh, of, of football in France, maybe something like League Two or something like that. In, in this country. So just messaged them out of the blue and said, oh, can I come and train along with you? And it was sort of, yeah, come and come come down sort of thing. And then, you know, we'll see, have a look at you. So ended up sort of playing um, a few times in their uh, sort of under 23s team. Um, and then the majority of the time um, in the reserves and then managed to play a few times for the first team as well, which was just absolutely insane. So to this day, that's probably the highest level I've played at. Um, you know, it was crazy. Like when you're going to home games and you're seeing some of the teams in, in their division, um, you'd see a bus park and they have like Marseille colours on them. And it's like, you know, in like uh, European countries where they put their second team in into lower leagues. So basically we had teams like Marseille reserves, Bordeaux reserves, Montpellier reserves. And then we had us there, some small village team there. So it was good to them sort of experiences. And like, that was probably the most intense that we've been, uh, that I've um, played. And that's, that's a really, I know I talk about university and playing a lot there, but that year abroad was probably the most intense um, amount of football that I played. And that's probably what made me the sort of player I am today in terms of how um, I do my distribution, how I'm sort of with my saves and all that sort of thing. Cause that was, that was basically a professional setup and I was um, working as a teaching assistant out there. So my hours were very, very flexible. So I, you end up training four times a week out there. So I, it was in the most, you know, the fittest I've ever been, the sort of sharpest I've ever been there. And it's sort of, teaches you it's good to learn about other sort of footballing philosophies as well sort of there I remember the first game I played um was sort of um very very nervous and I thought oh, this, this is gonna be horrible a big crowd there as well and uh it was nil nil at the time it was sort of the possession football was crazy like it was every, everyone just kept the ball for like five minutes it was just unheard of like the ball didn't leave the deck sort of thing it was just crazy and so we had a goal kick and I've seen one of my big things in my distribution and I've seen that we've got uh, one of our guys has stayed up um, 
from when he missed a chance, he was a bit lazy and getting up sort of thing. So he was still on the other side of basically on the edge of their box. But they'd all retreated. Uh, they're, they'd pushed up because obviously everyone in European takes short, short goal kicks and everyone plays it about. So I've just knocked it over the top of everyone. It's gone to our striker and we scored it. We've got it at 1-0 uh, up at half time. And I thought, right, your debut, you've done this. You're going to come in. So I walked in the dressing room thinking, yeah, I'm the man. And then the coach just taps me on the shoulder and he says, and he just goes, yeah, um, we don't really play long ball in this team. And that was it. And I just thought, oh, okay, okay, mate. Like, literally, I've got you wonder up. And it was just like, expecting everything. He was just like, yeah, he w- wasn't happy at all. Like, it was just... Uh, just shows a sort of difference in terms of like mentality. And from then I was just like, okay, I, I don't think I played a long ball for like the next six months after that. So, yeah. But um, in terms of the sort of teams I played for, uh, when I came back uh, to England um, and did my final year, obviously played for uni and then moved back uh, home to London, I sort of felt um, an affinity with the team that I, um, I just joined Chinkford. So a team in uh, uh, just, just in the outskirts of Essex um just when I'd gone into university and I thought they showed a lot of faith in me because I was still quite young then as well like 16 17 and didn't really play uh that much um when I went to uni I sort of come back like once a month so I felt like I sort of owed them a, a season or two um so with them managed to uh win quite a few things with them and it's quite good joining a team that's it's a, one of the best uh run teams I think in terms of off off the field what they're doing they went from like having one team to now they've got like 20 different teams or sort of things, stupid stuff like that, youth football up to, to men's football. And they're in the, um, I think they're in Essex Olympian Div 1 at the moment. So I felt like not un- yeah, unfinished business really with them. So one of a few things with them. Uh, and then from that, um, we sort of, I think my last season there, we sort of won, we won the Essex Cup and then we won League and Cup double. So we got a treble in that year. So I just thought... It's not really going to get better than that. And a lot of the team are sort of going on and seeing what they can do at semi-pro level. So I got um, had a few messages before from uh, Barkinside asking me to come over there. So, um, yeah, went over there and then had a, had a good season there. It was player of the season uh, the first year I was there. Um, and then new management came in sort of thing and, you know, everyone comes in. You know, it's even worse at non-league level, I think, than it is at Premier League level in terms of people bringing in their own players and their own stuff. It's just unbelievable. Like that's um, part of me is so glad that that whole I'm not really dealing with that sort of side of the game anymore. Like sort of that non-league nonsense, as I like to call it. You know, just the whole politics of people who who they're playing. So I played for. Unfortunately, I played a little bit too long for a few teams like that um, uh, in the Essex Senior League, and then. Um, then I had a chance to uh, come to uh, come to Clapton with one of my um, one of my uh, friends who was goalkeeper coach there at the time, uh, Tolga. Um, he sort of invited me along and then uh, joined there. I want to say two seasons ago, but we've not completed two season we've completed a season for a long time. So I actually joined in 2019 and we're still not completing a full season. But that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm captain there now and uh, it's a fantastic club and it's probably going to be the last club I'll probably play for um, in terms of how well run it is and, you know, try and get us as high as possible and then maybe get a coaching job there when I finish. I think you're, you're, you're set up to, to do that, definitely. Um, when you, when you talk, when you say that Chickford was really, really well run, what, like, what do you mean? Because I, I, I find myself thinking about that quite a lot and when I, like, the word that comes into my head is infrastructure. And I mean, by that, I mean, like, if you're going to, if someone just like looked at the club from the outside, they'd be able to get, 
they'd have like a feeling that says like flipping out this lot know what they're doing they know what they're up to yeah it's probably the first I mean I think a lot of clubs are sort of doing the right things now whereas I think like um Chingford is one of the first ones that I sort of saw actively sort of preparing for the future and what was going to happen in the future um chairman there now uh Lee Bowers was, he was player and he was a manager at the time um that I was there and it's sort of it was always about what we're going to do next season, what we're going to do in terms of developing the club, um, getting young people in, um, getting people from the local area, uh, getting standard chartered status, uh, things like, oh, can we get our own grounds? Can we get our own stadium? Um, I mean, it was one of them clubs where you didn't have to worry about, you know, if there was going to, if the kit was going to be there on time or like you didn't have to worry about, um, you know, uh, refs turn up or anything, you know, money-wise money or training and training was really good. It was just everything is sort of you didn't really have to think about it. But then when you sort of get a bit older, you sort of sort of realise, hold on, people actually have to wash these kits. People actually have to sort sort out the fixtures. People have to sort out the refs. People have to sort out having to deal with, you know, 30, 40 players that all want to play in the team and having to keep them sort of uh, balanced and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I've got nothing for love, but love for them. And um, I still play for them uh, on Sundays, actually. Um, so I still got a really good affinity with them. Uh, so that's in terms of you're right. It's, it's the infrastructure, you, and it, you see recently like there's a couple of big name clubs that are just fallen into disrepair and just like completely gone off the face of the earth just because they haven't had that sort of love and attention. And I think there's a lot of people that just think about the here and now. Right, we've got to get the best team to win this league, and that's all we need to care about, and that's all we need to worry about, rather than thinking about player development thinking of about um and development for the team like I wouldn't have been the player I I was about the sort of three four years at Chinkford of of being sort of well-rounded and being coached properly there mm-hmm. um when you when you think about goalkeeper coaches that you've had throughout the time that you've played what what stands out about the ones that you consider the best ones yeah because I've been on both sides of the of, of the coin unfortunately like Growing up, it's sort of goalkeeper coach was gold dust, and I just think if you're going to be serious about any team that you're running, or if you if you want your players to get better, or if you want to challenge for something, if you want to win something, you absolutely have to have a goalkeeper coach. It's so important. It's the most important position on the pitch. It's it's crazy in some games that you see, and you know they've obviously not got a proper goalkeeper, one that hasn't been coached, but yet the outfield players are all fantastic, and it's just like how how can you be so you know blindsided by that um it's just such a specialist position um you know as much as we've talked about talent and uh, technique and uh, practice as well there's so many psychological things of it as well like it's crazy how it's such a it's a, it's a solitary position it's a different sport entirely so in terms of the coaches that I've had I've not had that many because you know I've been through the times of playing even at semi pro level where to warm up it'd be one of the substitutes just doing volleys at you it's just absolutely ridiculous and I've ended up having to do like having to literally coach people how to coach me which is just something that I'd never thought I'd actually have to do but in terms of um uh the ones that I've had that have been good um Tolga Lesan is um someone that's been working with me for like the last 10 years and sort of I wouldn't be anywhere near the standard I am about him um he's a good thing about a goalkeeper coach is not to sort of just tell you all the good things that you're doing and, you know, saying that you, how great you are. You, you've got to, you know, as a goalkeeper, you've got to have good confidence, but there's a thin line of being able to have a good confidence and then just being just literally ignore all your sort of faults. So he was fantastic at just being able to, to curate sort of training sessions based to 
of, of what I was good at, maybe at the beginning, then work on for the majority of the time, like what I wasn't as good at, and then maybe finish off with something that you are good at just to get your confidence up a little bit. So he's been someone that's been constant uh, in sort of um, the last sort of 10 years. And as I said, I wouldn't be anything about him. Um, at Redbridge, uh, when I was in Essex Senior League, a uh, bloke by the name of Cliff uh, Tatham, he, he was brilliant. Um, he was another one where probably the first time at an Essex senior club where I've actually had someone that was specifically there for myself and to have a plan of how we're going to play in games. This is how you play with the defence. This is our structure and how we're going to play. So we need you to be able to do this and to be able to do X, Y, Z. We're going to do this in training. And you sort of, it, everything sort of worked out. So, okay, now I know why we're going to be doing this exercise because we're going to be doing this in the game. It was brilliant. He, he was good. I think he's still there at the moment, not hundred percent sure. Um, but to be fair, before all of that, um, my uh, school, I think, because they realised that sort of it was just sort of a little bit like, right, I'm a goalkeeper there, but I've not really had any proper training or anything like that. They put me on a uh, on a course of a guy called Mick Payne, who I don't even know if it's still going. You probably know more than me. Jim, it's the England C team still going or is it not? <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what's going on there. But he was a coach for them, basically, and he ran this course. And then and so, so many of the things that that was the sort of time I've never been with that amount of goalkeepers there. It was like 30, 40 of us there sort of thing. And it was over the course of three days. So I've got to thank my school for paying for that because I, I, I imagine it wasn't cheap. But um, even some of the simple things that he was he was teaching us, like one of the things that I've kept to this day um, was that he said, um, when you're doing games, keep a diary of what's gone on during that game and rate yourself in certain aspects of what you've done how write down how the warm-up was for you how was the warm-up for you how did you feel after the warm-up how did the game go for you what was your distribution like what was your handling like what was your technique like what weather was it and then you start when things like that you sort of you go and look back and you see patterns do you play a certain type of way when it's like a heavy pitch do you play a certain type of way when it's a different opposition are you do you have a better game because you've had a particular warm-up that you've done and it's sort of that sort of thing is that sort of to be a good goalkeeper you need to constantly psychoanalyze and analysis is, is what you need the whole pitch to analyze what's going on uh, in different situations at any split second but you also need to do some introspection as well as of what you're good at and what works for you sort of thing so it's all about being comfortable and being as confident as possible and able to show hopefully the sort of talents that that you have so um them three sort of stand out but I've had a few other people um uh, Martin Brennan who used to uh, be Fulham's goalkeeper coach he's done a few things with me as well um but yeah there's been a few uh but then they're, they're the sort of ones that stand out I guess alongside alongside playing your coaching and I, I think particularly when I think about goalkeeper coaching I feel like that that must be so so valuable that you can take moments that happened in the games that you play in and straight away think about how can they be relevant for the players that I'm coaching um, how how do you go about designing practices for for goalkeepers that you're coaching with now? Yeah, I think yeah, you're right in in that. And uh, the whole thing about me doing that sort of coaching, I also do one on one coaching as well. If anyone wants to holler at me, <laughs> any they will, they will. And, and anybody, any ability, just uh, yeah, give me a message on Twitter or on uh, Instagram or whatever. But um, yeah, you're right. I think. Maybe not in terms of so much in terms of when I'm playing the game or whatever. I'm so concentrated that like I don't particularly think about what I could be doing in sort of coaching or whatever. maybe when I look back on a game or something like that. Um, fortunately, some of them are filmed. Um, but um, in terms of um, 
because the only thing I would say is sort of I've been there. That's the whole point I, when I started coaching uh, goalkeepers is because I've been there in that situation where you have nobody coaching you and it's just horrible or you've been stuck with the outfield players and you get ignored for the whole for the whole uh, sort of 90 minutes until until you get put in 10 minutes at the end in a five aside and it's just it's not going to improve anybody it's just going to keep your your confidence low and I sort of think I can offer stuff because I've been at sort of various levels and I've been now I've been that unconfident person that's not been playing well I've been that person that's you know been good at some some, some things not the other things so in terms of what goes on in my sessions it, it's it's mainly about um I think the big thing which is overlooked is fitness. I think the fitter you are, the more sort of how longer you can go for and it's the more you can sort of um, keep going throughout the games and, you know, you're not tired in the 89th minute when you have to make a big save or something like that. So a lot of it is um, fitness work, uh, aerobic and anaerobic stuff. And also when you do your physical fitness, just you sort of, your mind gets a little bit clearer as well. So you want to have clarity in your mind as well when you're making them, them decisions. But Mostly it's just about perfecting them techniques because that's what's going to get you through the majority of the games is, is if you've got good technique, then when a shot comes at you, you're very unlikely if you've got the right technique for the ball to fall out your hand and go straight to the opposition striker or something like that. And it just gives you that confidence to sort of be able to play as, as good as you can. So it's, it's also a conversation that you have to have with the other coaches that are there in terms of how do you want your goalkeepers to play? Um, if I was, at, fortunately, I'm at a, a club which... Um, plays it with a similar sort of philosophy that I play at as well so it's sort of about how can we be on the front foot and start uh, the attacks ourselves and how can we be sort of proactive in our goalkeeping rather than just sort of standing on our lines and sort of just waiting for us to make a save and then kicking the ball long up the pitch sort of thing so it's all about trying to integrate uh, the goalkeepers with what's happening in sort of in terms of the whole 90 minutes what's going on with the whole whole team basically so yeah but then also you've obviously got to keep three or four people simulated for an hour and a half. It is, it is, um, I try and do as much as I can to get it sort of um, not particularly um, match realistic. It's hard. That's one of the big things about goalkeeping coaches. You just don't have the spaces to do it these days. And I think a lot of coaches rightly or wrongly want to spend the majority of the, the space and the majority of the time with, with the outfield players. I would disagree on it. The head coach of captain will probably disagree with me, um, but it is sort of, while I have that small space, it's just about getting them as, as much sort of physical action as you can do, big, you know, loads of dives and then getting as fit as possible. And then just sort of 20 minutes towards the end, I sort of analyse what's going on when they're playing their 11 to third games. And I'm sort of talking to them, wondering what sort of decisions they're making throughout the game and sort of giving them advice and then have a little debrief at the end and, and through the week. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it is appreciated, but like it's sort of the thing that I just basically go on what I would would want from myself, from, from, um, from when somebody's coaching me, I'd want somebody to keep me sort of physically stimulated, but then also sort of mentally as well, sort of thinking about how I'm feeling about my game, what I can work on, what I, what I need to improve, what I'm good at sort of thing, and how, how I can be the best sort of goalkeeper I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. When, when I mean, coaching outfield players, the FA has the four corner model. And I think I'd say it's like, I don't think it's controversial to say that like technical and tactical information are separate things and they should be different. But then we've got psychological, social and physical. Is there anything else that that goes into coaching goalkeepers or is it those five things, but just specific information for that position? I think it's, it's the same five things, but I think there's there would be a different focus on how much you give to sort of each of them sort of five things. For me, it's just my whole dream thing is obviously I would love to be at a professional club where you obviously get more than sort of 
an hour or two hours a week to work on this sort of thing because I think a lot of it is so much of it is mental and I think just to have a, like an hour to sit down with video footage and watch games with like just the goalkeepers and think why did you make this decision what was going through your head when you did this how confident did you feel when doing this I think that is just I think that would be brilliant but I think the majority it would just be psychological and just um, obviously work, working on fitness and maybe a little bit of a uh, possession as well. But yeah, I think it's similar, but just uh, the um, focus on the areas is probably just in, in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've talked to other goalkeepers, they're very, very big on like relationship with the centre-backs or relationship with the back four. Um, is, is it fair to say that that's like the most important area of the pitch for you to, in terms of players to get on with? Or do you, do you, would you say something else? I think, yeah, a good working relationship, I'd say. You don't have to be best friends with anybody, really. Like, I've, I've, there's been players I've played with that I can't stand, but I've been fantastic players. Not currently. Everyone's fantastic at Clapson, I can tell you that now. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's obviously, I think it just needs to be a respect and just an understanding of of, of what, what you're like and as a goalkeeper, sort of, and what they're like as centre-backs, sort of being able to sort of get used to each other. If you're going to call for a ball, you need to know that your defender's going to move out of the way and you're going to be able to get there. You're not going to fall over your own player to, you know, or if you're asking for the ball back from a back pass, you need to have the confidence to know that that player is going to pass you that ball. No, it's going to pass on your stronger foot, you know, and it is a very, very important uh, relationship. But it's important to have relationships with, with all of all of your team, really. Like sometimes you're not going to play a ball out to your centre-back. You're going to try, try and pass it out to your midfielders and your midfielders are also, and strikers are probably as important defensively School of Marcelo Bielsa, then, then, then your back four as well. But yeah, it, there, there is a huge, huge relationship with with your with your back four. They're they're the ones that sort of you will help each other out more often than not during the season. When you're not playing well, they will help you out. When they're not playing well, you'll get them out of jail as well. So it's sort of very sort. Of, they sort of understand what it's like as well. Sort of you don't really get the glory of you know scoring goals or whatever. But yeah, it's sort of a sort sort of a, an understanding of what it's like to sort of just be on, under pressure sort of constantly and having to. Minimise mistakes, really. Have you scored any goals? Uh, I used to take penalties um, okay. in shootouts. I don't know if that counts. Um, I've got uh, a few assists. Uh, I don't can't remember. Um, I've not scored. I back myself massively in terms of technique and training. But like, I think if there was no, if there was no pressure on me whatsoever, like in training, I'm brilliant outfield. But I think in a match, it obviously would be a little bit different, a little bit of different situations. Um, I've been scored against by a goalkeeper. Definitely, that's happened one. I think it was, um, which seems to happen with all goals that goalkeepers score. It's always a horrible pitch. It's always a wet day. It always catches in the wind and it always bounces right on the edge of the box, on the line, on the edge of the area and just spins up. That's what happened, basically. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, awful. Like that, um, I think Tom King, I think he scored for Newport from a goal kick uh, the other week. And he, he, know, he said, oh, I didn't want to celebrate because I know what it's like. You know, that's, he didn't mean it. And, uh, you know, just as, as a goalkeeper, you sort of feel when I, when I see other goalkeepers make howlers, like even if I'm playing against them, I, I do feel a little bit for them. Like I'm obviously grateful that we, we score, but it's like, oh, I've been there. I know how you're feeling, mate. Is that, I guess that's part of this like goalkeeper union thing. It's like an affinity between players who have so much in common and who, who experience like, in terms of the greatest scheme of the game, like such a small part of it, but it's it's so important. Like you, as you've said, it's like potentially the most important position on the pitch. What have been some of the things that you'd say, like maybe moments you've had with other goalkeepers, whether they've been teammates or opposition players, 
where you like feel like you've really, really, I don't know, clicked with someone purely based on the fact that you both play the same position? <laughs> um, I think there is um, usually, I think a few times with Clapton, there's been a time where like it's been an end-to-end game and no one's scored because the both goalkeepers are making ridiculous saves and afterwards you just have a moment and been like yeah we played quite well today didn't we and then we'd be like oh I liked your save over there and you'd be like oh that one over there you did was brilliant yeah so it's that sort of thing it doesn't happen too often um but yeah there is that sort of, I think it's more it's not sort of like a, a union where like everybody's best friends it's sort of more of a an understanding of of the fact that it's just such a lonely position sometimes and it's just like it's not not really much glory in it but like and so many things can go wrong and not many things can go right you can have the perfect game and make save after save after save but if you lose one nil because you've made an error in the last minute it's sort of it's it's gutting really and that can happen whereas if, if there's a striker who misses 10 10 shots on goal that's technically 10 mistakes that he's made but if he scores one goal he's the, he's the hero whereas you're looking back and you're thinking hold on a minute like your economy rates are ter- atrocious but yeah it's, it's still an understanding and I don't Think I just I would for what I sort of do in my whenever I'm a uh, before training um, on a Wednesday with, with with the men's team, it's always the same sort of thing when we're smashing balls at the goal and somebody wants to go and go and I'm like okay cool let's let's not just do you know hitting balls at the goal when you can just show off that you can just do somersaults and like parrying the ball away let's do five minutes of work and show you what you what you know goalkeeper trainers like. And after two minutes, they're blowing and they're finished. It's just a completely different fitness and people just don't... It's a sort of that understanding of the, the hard work that you have to put in throughout throughout, uh, throughout the weeks to sort of be able to do what you do, do on a game, on a game day, really. That's the sort of camaraderie and a union, as it were. How did you get involved with Clapton? How did that come about? So um, I was um, meant to um, be training with Walthamstow, who are in the Essex Senior, but Clapton are on the same well they're next door on the pitch there and I just it sort of got into my mind where like I saw Tolga who I've not seen for a while and uh, I just thought do you know what I've sort of had enough about how the as a non-league sort of nonsense of sort of how serious everything is not in terms of the fact that I, I some people would say I'm probably the most I take football the most seriously out of Clapton do you know what I mean in terms of the work I do off the pitch but like in terms of you know first of all the games are like at three o'clock so your whole Saturday's ruined and then it's just like being in a team where you don't have the freedom to sort of play sort of how you want where like you have to play that say if you have a goal kick you have to play that ball 70 yards up the pitch on the sixpence to somebody's head and if you don't if it goes out of play you've got some old white bloke shouting at you like saying you're useless and and it's just like I don't need that in my life you know what I mean (laughs) I'd rather be somewhere where I'm sort of appreciating sort of be able to have fun as well and be able to sort of um you know um enjoying myself and obviously the things with Clapton as well it's just oh, there's so many things outside of football that they do brilliantly the fact that it's a you know a member-owned club um the fact that they do a lot for um disadvantaged people the fact that obviously the things they stand for it's, it's just a perfect fit for me really it's sort of like if you had to sum up my personality and put it in a football team it would you would it would be playing for them it just makes perfect sense and I think you know, um, when I first joined, I don't think the idea was for me to be a first choice, but I've sort of managed to sort of wriggle my way in there and become captain as well. So um, I think, yeah, unfortunately for both for both of us, we're stuck with each other now. <laughs> when uh, when we do get back to playing, where where do you see where do you see Clapton going? Maybe if we think 21-22 season, fresh oh, slate. What's 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 the plan? I think yeah, the goal each season is to get promoted. Obviously. Um, I think the squads that we have in terms of 
I'm not going to say how we play on a match day, but in terms of individual quality, I'd say it's the best in the league. I don't think, without sounding horrendously arrogant, I don't think there's a goalkeeper in back four better than what we have. Um, and our midfielders and strikers are pretty good too as well. But um, in terms of... Um, we're always going to be looked to get promoted. Obviously, we're moving into the um, old spotted dog uh, next season, our ground, which we've recently taken back, um, raising money for the clubhouse and to fix the roof there as well. So if you go on Clapton's Twitter account, they've got the, the link there. So just to be able to play as high as possible with our own ground and sort of, you know, the sky's the limit, really, in terms of infrastructure. And we're talking about well-run clubs and stuff they do is fantastic. I mean, at Clapton, it's just, there's there's so so much for everyone to do. It's not even just on the, you know, on, on my side, obviously I coach uh, the captain women as well. And, you know, there's football for everyone there. It's um, in terms of the social football, there's the men's team, there's the men's development team, there's the women's team, women's development team, there's non-binary team, there's the five-a-side team, uh, women's five-a-side team, which is um, the last team to have actually won any silverware for us. So um, yeah, there's just so much going on with that club. So there's so many different uh, strands uh, going off from them. Like, they can do what they want, really. If they wanted to to be uh, in someone like the National League in like 20 years, I'm sure they could probably do it if they set their mind to it. Um, just such a such a fantastic club to be a part of. Yeah, no question. I mean, when we when we did our when we first, when we did goalkeeping, that was the first time we probably met and chatted um, a fair bit. I just remember when we were walking back to to the station, just being like, like I've never seen anything like it. Like it's it's, it's unbelievable. Like, and I, you know, I'd like heard little bits and then obviously like a fair a fair few of um like players who I coach were gonna go and start getting involved with the the women's team and chatting to Kira and she was like we're gonna like Stokey's becoming this and I was just like flipping out like what an yeah. um like just the, the the to to think that like all of that is is available if you're organized and you have people who really care is is amazing. Yeah, that's the thing the, the amount of volunteers and the things that have been done off there is just unbelievable like the it's, it's a lot of people i know for a fact they put more work and more time and energy and money into that than they do their actual job so when we go back to our spiritual home spotted dog next season it's going to be just that whole day is going to be incredible and it's going to be sort of well done for everybody that's that's part of the club members players and sort of people behind the scenes that all sorted it. and it's just yeah the future is looking very very bright for us mm. You mentioned goalkeeping being like a specialist position, some goalkeeper coaching specialist coaches. How much goalkeeper coaching would you like to be doing in an ideal world for you? So for me, it's the only thing I properly know. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's the only thing that I feel, that's why I feel like it's a different sport. Like in terms of tactics and when I hear about outfield players, it's like, it's not that I don't understand. It's just, it sometimes just goes over my head. Just, I don't particularly, I don't particularly get it. It's a lot of complicated stuff. But as with goalkeeping, it's something that, I know well from experience and it's just I want to go as as high as possible not only in terms of um just our teams doing well but me personally I'm I'm looking to get on as many um obviously we did our FA course together but I'm looking to get and I, I don't know if they're changing the structure of the goalkeeping course but definitely to try and get onto that UEFA UEFA B sort of goalkeeping and then see to go from there and obviously the dream would be to be a, a goalkeeper coach at a professional club whether that be WSL or otherwise um that would be fantastic that'd be something I'd I'd love to sort of get involved with sort of I was watching the other day just about the the standard women's goalkeeping is just a really interesting debate to go on and it's sort of the, the the whole sort of debate on that is the conversation is just it's it's unfair to compare 
somebody saying the lower half of the WSL to like a prime Peter Schmeichel who was sort of taught at academy level when he was like four or five years old onwards. Whereas a lot of these, um, a lot of them, the coaching coming in now is literally like it's the first time some of these some of these players have had goalkeeper coaches. It's just insane. There was a story that um, I think Kylie Telford was saying like before she was going to a World Cup, her club coach was literally just an old an old man, just like that old classic, just somebody's dad volleying footballs at you, and you're thinking it's got to be better than that. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes, and that's going to be. I, I would love to be you know a part of that, but that's obviously. I would obviously have to improve myself as a coach as well. I'm always looking for feedback from, from my players as well. But in terms of coaching, that's where I want to sort of be. Um, but I've not given up playing yet. So I'm, I'm still, you know, still got a good 10 years left in me on playing. So we'll see how it goes that first. Um, you said that when you watch football now, as a result of watching Leeds, you become a bit of a football snob. How, how this, this Bielsa ball and like this, this iteration of Leeds, how, how different is it to, to watching previous teams that you've, that you've seen? Well, even just to watching previous Leeds teams, if I throw out the name Dave Hockaday to people, they would. We had a, basically Leeds United had a non-league, like a grassroots manager managing them in the Championship for a while, and it was absolutely horrendous. Steve Evans, people like that as well. Just some of the. F- I think that's probably what the whole sort. That's what the hype is as well. The fact that we were playing such disastrous football before, which was necessary at the time of the leagues that we were in, and now it's just that we have a coach that obviously. I will defend to the death. And some of obviously you can there's obviously been a lot of talk about Leeds United this season. And it's just, it's great. Where do they think Leeds United were going to finish in the Premier League? Like we've been promoted. It's a championship team. That's how good of a coach he is. It's a championship team that are mid-table in the premiership, closer to the top than they are to the bottom. And yet people are still saying, Oh, you know, they shouldn't be playing football like this, concede it. Forget about it. <laughs> it's just a lot, genuinely, having I got a season to get Ellen Road as well. So just to be able to see them for the past two seasons, like in the t- two last seasons in the championship, you would not believe the football that you were saying. And I've been on to people for time, even about Patrick Bamford. I said in the premiership, he'll do it. I've been saying to people, obviously I said to people about Calvin Phillips for the longest time. I've been saying how good Calvin Phillips was. Um, but even he, before Bielsa, he wasn't good. He was, <laughs> he was terrible before Bielsa. Um, and then the amount of talent that we've had through there, and just the speed of it is just incredible. The speed of it, the pace and the fact that, that the running they're doing, it's just, he's got players that are just obvious, unfortunately, you look at the team and like, there's a few players in there, maybe two or three of them that can play premiership for like the next 10 years, but the majority of them are probably, if we're honest, not at premiership level, but the fact that they're playing that sort of football is incredible. And then you watch, did you watch Arsenal Crystal Palace the other night? And you're watching that and you're thinking, this is in the same league, is it? No. It's, 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 it's actually scary. And it's sort of not to... You know, you look at the bottom of the table at the moment, you know, who have we got? We've got your old old school English managers that are apparently the, you know, the the answer to avoiding relegation. Well, look where they are. And it's sort of it's incredible that you get um someone that comes in and the the comparison is like teams like Burnley, for example. They take their five nil loss at Man City every season. Do you know what I mean? Sean Dyche comes after after the press conference. Uh, this is uh obviously they've won against Liverpool, so this is a bit <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, but like He'll go after us and be like, oh, we've lost 5 0 today, but there's nothing we can do about it. It's Man City, that's all, you know, what can you do? And he says that every time they play them and they lose, I think they've lost 5 0 against them in the last five seasons. Whereas Bielsa will say, well, how can we affect them and how can we stop them doing what they do and how can we do what we do? So I don't know if you watched the, the Man City Leeds game, um, the one at uh, Ellen Road. Leeds United should have won, it was incredible. And like, it's the best game of football probably for the Premier League had seen in a while. And I don't know if it's because of COVID or whatever, but a lot of the other teams that are playing, it, 
it's so it's it's just not as good to watch I don't think as it was in previous years and I think it needed a team like Leeds to come in and show everybody how to play football really and that's not to say that you know we're the best team no no chance I think mid-table is is fantastic for us it's probably where we should be if you say to me finish 16th I'll take it now because means not getting relegated can't get relegated this season but just yeah it's brilliant just to think about the effect that if that's an effect that a good coach can have on somebody do you know what I'm saying these players are playing for the last three seasons they can look back on them and says we've given 110 percent and look where it's got us and there's not one player that hasn't been improved on, under uh el loco marcelo bielsa best coach in the world how much how much do you know like, I, I know nothing about like the way that their goalkeepers are being coached and how like integrated they are to anything have you, have you followed that? um at least united i yeah. think um yeah, when you watch the, the warm-up on the match day, it's a pretty, pretty uh, similar to what, you know, I think if you generally, if you go to different matches, I think all pre-match warm-ups are exactly the same from every team. It doesn't seem that anybody sort of differs from it. In terms of where Leeds are a bit different with their goalkeepers, you've got a 20-year-old 20, 20 in, in Melier right now in goal, and he's going to make mistakes, and he has done. Is he changed him? Is he put him out of the team? No, because he, he wants to play... In a in a particular way, Mesley has got he's probably got the highest um, percentage distribution rate because he just plays six yards passes every time. Doesn't matter if it gets intercepted, he'll play that same pass. If the pass gets intercepted, he'll just make the save. And if they can see the goal, it doesn't matter because they'll go up the end other end and score two or three goals. It's sort of that's what you want from a team. You want um, and then when they put the other goalkeeper in goal, whose name I won't uh, uh, mention for obvious reasons, but. You get a, a centre-back that looks at him and won't pass in the ball because he knows that he's not comfortable in doing the things that this young 20-year-old is doing. So the, the goalkeepers are taught to sort of play more in a sort of outfield position. And it's sort of, you would never, you would never get a British manager, manager putting in um, a goalkeeper to be able to play that that sort of way. Um, for example, when with Sheffield United, Dean Henderson, as great as he is, every single pass that he does, he put every, every kick he does is a long ball and he puts it with snail on it. And it's just like nobody wants to, play against that but I it is it is goalkeeper coaching it has to be specific for the club that you're at and that's where like I differ in terms of other people in terms of opinions of who is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League and this sort of thing because say you have somebody like say if you're looking at the top of the league someone like say Edison for Man City whose distribution is obviously insane he would be a different goalkeeper and he would not be able to play in a lower half team simply because he'd be okay but you know, he'd be under much more pressure in terms of having to deal with uh, the passes that he does. He, and, you know, he, his shot stopping and his positioning would be called more interaction. His positioning isn't one of the best. Whereas someone like, say, I don't know, like Cash Michael, if you see his his distribution, his distribution isn't great, but his um, shot stopping is incredible. So it all, it, different goalkeepers suit different needs in sort of the Premier League. And I think Leeds are doing quite well and just sort of having somebody that sort of plays short and plays to feet and sort of plays actual, you know, good football. And, you know, if it does need to go long, it, it can go long, but someone that's very comfortable with playing the ball at the back. Whereas other teams like say um, Burnley with Nick Pope, that's perfect for them because you don't want somebody that's going to be playing the ball to see your centre-backs all the time. You want to feed it up to Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. So, you know, it's different, different goalkeepers with different, different people, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you also see like how how important it is that those philosophies are aligned and skill sets, obviously a big part of that, and practice is the other part. And I'm like, there's just no question. Like, I've seen the the Leeds United doc, and you get a bit of an insight into some of the training sessions. But there's just no way that the goalkeepers aren't part of everything that's happening there. Like murder balls, oh yeah, for sure. Like they're definitely a part of it. Like um, I've seen them. Uh, 
doing the fitness stuff as well on that documentary. They're, they're definitely, yeah, everybody, Marcelo Bielsa, the player, has to be at a certain level of fitness, otherwise they don't get into the squad. And you see it with, um, we had Jean-Kevin Augustin from Red Bull Leipzig, who we were meant to sign for 30 million. He came on loan, he didn't play one game because he just wasn't fit enough. And if you're not fit enough, you don't get into the team, which is, you know, something we could all be working on in lockdown, a little fitness. Yeah. Um, wicked. Jack, that's great. That's really good. 